Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Today, we're going to take you into the land of whistleblowers. And I mean, we're really going to take you in. Uh, One of the great champions of whistleblowing on Capitol Hill, one of the great investigators of oversight investigations in recent Senate history, Jason Foster is joining us. Jason Foster was, for more than a decade, uh, nearly a decade and a half, the chief investigator for Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, the former chairman of Senate Judiciary, Senate Finance. Jason's work gave rise to some of the biggest scandals of the last two decades, including the Fast and Furious gun running scandal. You remember that one during the Obama years, right? He's the man who unmasked the fact that Hillary Clinton was paying. You got it. Christopher Steele. That was a big one. And there are many, many more. Well, Jason recently retired from government work, and he is now running a brand new whistleblower center called Empower that's designed to support patriotic whistleblowers, people who want to come forward with wrongdoing and maybe don't feel comfortable going to some of the left-leaning whistleblower centers in America that are out there. Listen, they do good work. I'm not demeaning them, but sometimes ideology and perception matter. And Jason Foster has opened up a brand new accountability center, a brand new whistleblower center. He's going to talk about all things whistleblowing, the, the psyche of whistleblowers, what it takes, the processes, the misuse of them, the oversight value, and we'll probably do a best hits run of some of his greatest investigations, which are too many to mention, but a lot of great accountability issues involving the FBI, the intelligence community, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission. We're going to talk about those, and we're going to talk about the all-star team of whistleblower supporters, whistleblower lawyers and experts who have joined to empower the new center to make sure that the next generation of whistleblowers have great representation, great protection, great opportunity to protect us, the American people, from wrongdoing through the very important channel that is whistleblowing. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jason Foster, former Senate investigator, the new founder of the Empower Whistleblower Center. You're going to want to hear his story. This is going to be a very important tool. They're already taking action in cases right now. All right, we'll be back right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And I am really proud to have, for the very first time on this show, a good friend, a great investigator, somebody who's had a very profound effect on transparency, whistleblowing, and investigations in America. You may have never heard his name before, but you're definitely going to remember his work. Joining me right now is Jason Foster, the brand new founder and president of Empower Oversight Whistleblowers and Research, a new whistleblower group for patriotic whistleblowers. What a cool idea. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. It is amazing, this group that you started. We wrote a little story on it last week. People have been talking about it since then, and I really want to get to the mission and the all-star team you've uh, assembled at Empower. But before we do that, uh, I know you don't like to talk about yourself very much, but you have had such a distinguished career. And I think a lot of the big scandals that that over the last two decades I've written about, other people have written about, had their origins in your tenacious investigative work. And so I thought if we could introduce maybe a little bit about yourself. You worked for uh, on the Hill for about 20, 20 plus years, House first, and you went to Senator Chuck Grassi, one of the great whistleblower protectors, Fast and Furious, Christopher Steele's dossier, just a couple of the really amazing pieces of work you did. Just talk a little bit about what it was like to be one of those Senate investigators who ends up, you know, uncovering big scandals. Yeah. Well, uh, it was never boring, that's for sure. Uh, that's one <laughs> that's of the- true. I didn't really intend to start having a career, you know, uh, to spend an entire 22 years on Capitol Hill when I first went there. Um, uh, something I sort of fell into and oversight was not something I thought of uh, in the beginning either. But, you know, I, I started on the House side. I was hired during the you may remember the campaign, uh, the campaign finance scandal involving China. And I sure do. Money going to the DNC. Yeah. So they hired a whole bunch of people, including a bunch of young people just out of law school like myself. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it was quite an eye opening experience. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I loved doing it. And I ended up going on from the House Government Reform Committee to work for three other committees, um, you know, eventually landing with uh, Chuck Grassley doing 14 years with him uh, on two different committees, finance and judiciary. Uh, and, uh, you know, in those early days, we did uh, not only the campaign finance scandal, we looked at, um, you know, a controversy involving Americans who were kidnapped to Saudi Arabia by their non-custodial Saudi uh, parents. Uh, we did an issue, you know, we, we were heavily involved in the controversial pardons at the end of the Clinton administration. Right. Did some, we did some oversight of that from Congress, which had never really been done of, of uh, pardon controversies before. Um, and, uh, you know, was part of writing a big comprehensive report on that, uh, and, uh, you know, done healthcare oversight from the finance committee, uh, done a lot of oversight of, uh, federal law enforcement, um, you know, worked on Oklahoma city, uh, bombing oversight back in the day, um, lots of controversies with the FBI, uh, ATF, as you mentioned, fast and furious. So, um, and and the intelligence community done uh, you know did quite a bit of intelligence community oversight you know most recently of course uh, you know getting to getting access to the uh, to the FISA application and the Carter Page um, 
case and seeing in all the flaws in that and doing some classified oversight and eventually getting it all declassified so that folks could see uh, what we had done. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, it's never boring. It's such an amazing ride. You know, you and I have been doing this for a long, and I've known you for a long time now, but we actually have second generation family members that are in their second scandals now. So back when the Asia fundraising scandal started, the China money scandal, there was a couple that was involved in enriching Ron Brown. It led to an independent counsel investigation. And those early stories I did for the AP ultimately led to the early discoveries of the China money fundraising operation that Al Gore and, and Bill Clinton had created. And recently, one of the daughters of one of the figures in that early scandal just pled out guilty in a lobbying scandal here in Washington. So we've been able to capture yeah. two generations of corruption in families in, in America. How about that? That's pretty wild, huh? Yeah, it, it never seems to end. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, and I want to get to Empower in just a second, but you wrote a op-ed last year that uh, is still one of my favorite of the last year. And, and it was a very profound one because the art of oversight in Congress, which used to be very good, used to be people on the Democratic side and the Republican side that were awesome investigators. And they did things not because it was going to help their party, but because it was going to help their country first. And over the last five to 10 years, these investigations seem to become more and more partisan. Facts don't matter. Sometimes things are released and you haven't even interviewed the people to see if what they're releasing is accurate. And you wrote this great article, Congressional Oversight is Broken. Here's how to fix it. It was in the Federalist back, I think, last summer or early fall. Uh, just talk a little bit about the point we see ourselves now where Congress is more about political gotchas most times. I mean, there's exceptions like your old boss, Chuck Grassley, but um, a lot of political gotcha stuff and not necessarily a concern about the truth or the bigger uh, impact on the country. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, one of the reasons I started Empower Oversight is is actually to help with that as well, because, I you know, I think the what I learned from my time with Grassley and I worked with uh, I worked for several different bosses over the years. But, of course, most of my time was with Grassley. And what I learned from him was the value of using whistleblowers to guide what you're doing, because, you know, they help point you to where the bodies are buried the skeletons in the closet, they help you ask the right kinds of questions and dig deeper than just, you know, trying to grab a headline here or there, or like you said, you know, some kind of a partisan gotcha game. And also, you know, whistleblowers sort of help keep you grounded because, you know, they're not typically, they're not in it for any kind of partisan reason. And they're putting their neck on the line and their career on the line. And it's usually because it's pretty, something pretty important that, that everybody should care about, regardless of whether you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, or liberal. Um, so, you know, and and when you're working with someone like that, and you're trying to uh, help protect them as well as actually use the information they've given you to to make a difference and actually get something done about the thing they're blowing the whistle on, which often gets lost in all the fights about retaliation and, and procedure and so forth. Um, you know, when you've got that anchor grounding you to sort of the motherhood and the truth and uh, you know, it keeps you focused on what's important. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, especially, I don't know what all drives it, uh, but, you know, it's, there's technology is certainly a part of it and people just wanting to get a clip that they can, you know, or something yeah. that can outrage people on Twitter or something like that. Right. But, you know, what really moves the ball is, you know, breaking new ground on substantive information that other people didn't have. Uh, and you, you were able to get it because you, develop trusted sources. Uh, and, you know, you were able to to get that information, to use it to inform your questions and your oversight of the of the executive branch. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's 
the, the questions become, um, you know, sort of self-enforcing. People realize when you ask they a do. really smart question that's based on information that you got from the inside, they know, you know, it, it, it's a compelling question. And all of a sudden, other people, you know, journalists or whoever out there start saying you know, other 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 good government groups, you know, they look at it and go, hey, that's a really good question. Yeah, they ought to answer that question. And then exactly. you can feel pressure on the agency to respond. And yeah, you know, most of the hard work should for congressional oversight should be done behind the scenes in the months before your hearing. You don't. One of the points I made in that article is you don't you know, the congressional hearing is not where you get facts, you know, where you just call someone call wit, call a witness up and berate them or something. You know, that's not how you break new ground. You break new ground by doing all the hard work. Um, you know, behind the scenes, getting the documents, going through the documents, finding the important ones, uh, you know, and learning what you're talking about. That's before right. You go out and start talking. Yeah. Such an important thing. I'll tell you this funny story because I think it's really relevant. I was a, you know, maybe about five, 10 years into my career as an EP reporter. And I went up one day to Capitol Hill to meet with a Democratic committee chairman. This was just before Republicans took over in 94. Uh, and, uh, the chairman apparently had two meetings he was going to attend back to back. And one of them was introducing himself to his newest investigator, uh, a youthful young lawyer. And then the second was to do a brief interview with me. And he walked into the meeting with me and we, there was no salutation. He just sort of came in and it became apparent to me within about a minute or so that the chairman was in the wrong meeting or he's talking to the wrong person. Cause he said, son, welcome to the staff. And I just want to let you know, I couldn't get a word in. I couldn't even say that he just, and he was so fast. And so, and he said, listen, there's two ways to do investigations. One is to come up with a conclusion in advance and then try to find the facts that fix it, fit it and come up with a story. We call that politics on Capitol Hill. I don't like that. The way we want to do things is follow the facts and then come to the conclusion at the end. And do you have that? And I said, Mr. Chairman, nice to meet you. I'm John Solomon with the Associated Press. He goes, Oh, damn, you're the wrong guy. But I remember that moment uh, uh, so clearly now. And, uh, you know, it's true that there are two ways to do oversight. You can literally do like what happened in the Ukraine impeachment, which is try to come, try to devise a story and then see if the facts can fix it. Or you can do like the stuff you did with Fast and Furious. And you've always opted for follow the facts wherever they go. Sometimes they're bad for Republicans. Sometimes they're bad for Democrats. But the facts are always good for the American public. And I've always um, admired that about the work you and Senator Grassley and the team that you had there uh, did. You you were about country first, politics second. And I think that um, always benefits that. And um, it was the last time I was misidentified well, as a congressional staffer. So I feel good about that. <laughs> well, I actually have a similar, I have a somewhat similar story that makes a similar point. Um, I had, uh, during Fast and Furious, you know, I often tell people, people ask me, you know, well, what are you going to focus on with this right. group? And I say, well, you know, it, it depends on what comes in the door and it you depends bet. on what, yep. you know, what we find. And so, you know, during Fast and Furious, I had a, a, a very prominent member of the media uh, who was, uh, you know, I was having a sort of casual off the record conversation with. And it was clear that this person, you know, didn't like the political implications as they perceived them. Right. Right. Of what we were doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, this person looked at me and said, you know, well, why are you why are you focusing on the ATF? You know, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, how come you don't go after the FBI? <laughs> right. Right. And, and I said, well, I, I, I didn't have an FBI agent call me and blow the whistle. Right. right. I, I didn't plan to go after the ATF yep. when I took over. You know, Grassley was in the minority when we took over Judiciary. That's Committee right. When we first started getting yep. first started getting the calls from uh, from ATF agents who were right. telling us this incredible story. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't choose that. I just and, you know, we answered the phone and we followed the facts and we verified it. And, and it was what it was. 
So, uh, but they, you know, this person had it in their mind that like it was some grand plan of mine that to go after the ATF because they were, you know, sort of somehow an easier target or something than a more powerful, you know, organization like the FBI that's better at the bureaucratic infighting or something. But, you yeah. know, that's not how it works. Well, it, uh, it, it doesn't. And I think um, uh, those who approach it the way you do, do a great service to the public. And those who don't, like Christopher Steele and what happened at the FBI, end up deserving the public by giving us a bad, a bad set of dope, a bad set of uh, stories. And uh, it's always been great to, to see you stay with facts and, and, and as a journalist, be able to cover real facts. That's always the thing you want. You want the truth. You don't want an outcome. You want the truth. The um, Empower, what a great name. Uh, e, um, EMPWR, brand new whistleblower group. What led you to do this? This is something I think you've had in your mind for some time, but uh, at this moment, where does it fit in the paradigm of whistleblower groups and oversight groups and, uh, what need is it going to fail on the public? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what we want to do with the, with Empower Oversight is just, you know, do basically what I used to do on the Hill for years and years, but, uh, you know, do it from the outside. You know, there are there are lots of other similar groups out there and they do a great job. And, you know, I don't see myself in competition with them necessarily, you know, but frankly, a lot of them are funded by, you know, big money from left leaning, you know, powerful yeah, donors. That's true. Um, yeah, and, true. And some folks some folks aren't comfortable going to a group like that or if they do go to a group like that, depending on who happens to be in office at the time, they might not get, uh, you know, might not get a hearing. I mean, John Dodson, the primary whistleblower in Fast and Furious. Uh, I think he went through two or three lawyers, um, you know, people, he, he was a GS 13, uh, you know, Amazing. federal agent. He couldn't afford, he couldn't afford to hire a big fancy lawyer. And so he goes to groups, uh, he goes to the groups out there that are supposed to be set up and funded to help him. And, you know, he had to go through several lawyers before he got one that was really just looking out for him and, yeah. and only him. And that's what folks need. So nothing against the other groups, but, you know, we just want to be an alternative out there and another place for people to go. And there's no shortage of waste, fraud and abuse to be reported and to work on, uh, you know, and we want to be a resource for folks who have inside information about wrongdoing. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we have one thing that I think we're doing that's maybe a little different than others is, you know, we have um, I've put together I've tried to put together a team with a lot of experience who's actually done this before, either either personally blown the whistle, uh, you know, or, um, you know, have been an advocate uh, before. So, you know, uh, experience is important. And we, you know, when you're a whistleblower and you're going through all that comes down on you when you speak yeah. out. There is an tell, enormous psychological tool that most Americans don't appreciate about that. Absolutely. And you need, and it's really important to have allies and to not feel, cause you'll feel isolated and alone and you need somewhere to turn and you need, you need allies. You know, it's not enough to just have allies. You need allies and it's not enough to have allies that can, that'll fight hard for you. I mean, you want folks that'll fight smart, who've been through the fire, who, you know, I'm excited because the, you know, the team we put together includes, um, includes people who have blown the whistle and who have survived uh, yeah. and not just survived, but have thrived and have done, you know, have done it successfully. Yeah. It, you know, I don't want to lead people down a primrose path. I mean, it's blowing the whistle is, whistle is a risky thing to do. Yep. Um, but, but the truth is that it can be done and it can be done in a way that actually makes a difference and is successful. You know, some of the folks, like I mentioned John Dodson earlier, you know, um, he he's still he, you know he's still employed with the ATF and volunteering part time to help other whistleblowers in our group. Uh, you know Pete Forcelli, 
right. was another person in in ATF, ATF who has right? been yeah. who's been promoted multiple times uh, since since uh, testifying truthfully and and facing all the retaliation that he faced. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, Gary Aguirre, who was a former um, uh, SEC enforcement attorney who blew the whistle on a on, uh, you know, uh, his supervisors wanting him to take it easy on a Wall Street banker in an insider trading case. You know, he ends up, you know, he's now a successful whistleblower lawyer himself. Uh, you know, Dan Meyer, who, who uh, you know, was a whistleblower coordinator in the intelligence community and was essentially driven out by the bureaucracy for doing too good of a job of holding <laughs> intelligence agents. They didn't really want that much whistleblowing is what you're saying. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, well, he's he's now a successful partner at a firm. So, I mean, I just want people to see just from looking at the folks that we've put together and, you know, Dean Zerby, another uh, former yeah, Grassley former staffer, staffer who is right? a successful, a very successful whistleblower lawyer. Um, you know, you can go, you can do, you can fight these fights and, and come through on the other side. I want to have a message of hope for people who are thinking about blowing the whistle. You can do this and you can do it successfully and we can help you do it. Yeah. That's such an important thing. And literally knowing how to navigate the morass of rules and regulations and laws, because there's a lot of places where either the bureaucracy or either by intent or by accident has created tripwires. And if you're not careful as a whistleblower, you can get yourself jammed up by crossing one of those tripwires without permission and having someone of your expertise and that team that you just mentioned, because that really is an all-star team in the whistleblowing world, really can save a lot of harm, a lot of aggravation for someone that's already going through you know, a very stressful situation when you decide to blow the whistle on wrongdoing. So amazing uh, what, what you've created and in just a few short days since you announced you're already starting to have an impact. Talk about some of the early things already going on with Empower. Uh, so we just did a joint letter with two other uh, uh, two other existing uh, good government groups, uh, uh, Government Accountability Project and the Project on Government Oversight. Uh, we did a joint letter about um, there's a, a, an inspector general's office at the Federal ha- Housing Finance Agency, yeah. which yep. is the um, you know which most people probably never heard of, but it's a big deal. They oversee uh, Fannie and Freddie, the mortgage giants, yeah. tons of money that they're responsible for overseeing regarding waste, fraud, and abuse. There've been controversies there about the government essentially taking all of the profits from the private shareholders and those entities since they've been taken over by the government during the financial crisis years ago and are still still running them. Um, uh, so the there was there's been a long running controversy from that office with whistleblowers who uh, who had said that the IG was you know had it created a, a, a an environment of fear and retaliation and was basically it's just unprofessional was abusive to to uh, staff etc. Um, and there was a nonpartisan report that um, uh, you know from the from the sort of the, the watch the community of uh, inspectors general a committee of uh, folks who were supposed to watch the watchdogs and right. investigate wrongdoing by IGs. And, um, you know, they, they came out with a report in April uh, that recommended, very unusual uh, for IGs to recommend that a fellow IG be fired. Um, it is almost unheard that. of. And yeah, you have to do a lot of bad to get that the distinction. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're very protective. IGs are very protective of their, you know, of their independence and so forth. And so, yeah. And, you know, it was just sitting there with nothing happening. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so for the last several months, you know, I've been trying to get folks to get attention to that. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, we got a couple of stories and there was a, uh, you know, she, the, the, the IG did resign. Uh, but we just did a letter recently uh, pointing out to folks that, yeah. uh, you know, that actually doesn't fix the problem nope. because two of her senior executives, they're still there. people on her staff, 
yeah. are still there and are going to take over the office and the president needs to do something about that. So we wrote a letter to, to the president on that. That's just one of the first things out of the gate. But, yeah. you know, we're going to be doing we're going to be doing traditional oversight, uh, you know, good government group stuff. We're going to be doing FOIAs. Uh, we've already gotten a lot of intake from our website. We've got amazing. I've actually been pleasantly surprised and a little overwhelmed by the folks contacting us already because uh, you, know, you got to do the hard work. There's a need. You got to go through. Yeah, you got to start researching them. Yeah. Oh, it, it is amazing. I want to get just a second so people know how to get in touch with you and how to uh, engage the center. But before we do that, uh, can you talk a little bit about the weaponization of investigations too? Now, we've had moments with the FBI and the in the Trump cases, and maybe you can argue the Ukrainian impeachment case, where the investigative tools and powers were really used not to solve a problem, but actually maybe to create a false problem how are we going to address that in America? And what could your center do to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff when someone's misusing the intelligence community or law enforcement to get back at a political enemy like Hillary Clinton and Christopher Steele at all did in the Russia case? Yeah, well, I mean, it all comes down to exposing the facts and let let, let people, you know, uh, I always say, you know, let's 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 just figure out what happened first and then everybody can express their opinion on it. Is that yeah. too much to ask? Right. Um, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, but you're absolutely right. There are sometimes, I mean, one of the important, uh, one of the important messages for pe- that people misunderstand, I think, in the popular culture about whistleblowing is, you know, there is a difference between blowing the whistle, which is legal and protected, and arguably your patriotic duty, right? And leaking, which at leaking is completely different. Leaking is a different thing. Leaking is illegal a lot of the time right. or against policy of the agency. Um, it, uh, and it's, you know, it's often the cowardly way out as opposed to the patriotic thing. Too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, helping people understand and, you know, education, you know, we're, we're, we're a nonprofit educational institution. So in, in, in addition to educating people about specific cases, we also want to educate people about, um, you know, what it means to be a whistleblower and the difference between that and leaking. Um, and I think it really, it, it does a disservice to the cause of legitimate whistleblowers who are doing the right thing for love of country and, you know, because they want the government to work the way it's supposed to work. And people who are just, you know, leaking information that That's harms right. national security, right? Yep. Because they don't happen to like the policy of right. the government. We just have an ax to grind. Policy dispute. Right. Or they have an ax to grind, whether it's political or just, you know, sort of some sort of extreme libertarian, you know, um, uh, you know, view that, that, that the government should never have any authority right. to, to do any kind of surveillance, you know? So there needs to be, there needs to be an understanding of the difference between those things. Yeah. So, um, so true. And, well, we got about a minute left. Jason, how do people engage in power? How do they uh, stay in touch with you? Follow your work on Twitter. Give us all the ways and all the coordinates where we can follow your good work in the future. Yeah, so we are uh, empoweroversight.org. That's the best way. Uh, that's the first place to go. And then you can get links to the Twitter account, the uh, Facebook account, the Rumble account, the Parlor account. All of that stuff is on there. There's also a contact form on there if you want to send us a tip or if you want to just sign up to get uh, your email on the list and, and follow what we're doing. Um, you know, uh, or if there's a donate button there, you know, the more resources that we that's right have the more people we're going to be able to help and we we don't have you know a multi-million dollar uh uh you know budget behind us yet uh so i you know um, we're looking to grow the organization so i would you know just candidly ask people to help out with that and also um 
you know, uh, we're looking to hire, right? So I would encourage folks if they're, we're going to be looking for law clerks in the fall. Uh, so if there's a Very you know, cool. some law students out, yeah, some law students out there who would like to learn about whistleblower law and would like to learn about uh, good government and oversight issues and congressional oversight, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we are looking for people so they can go to the website, empoweroversight.org, and there's a contact form on there and let us know you're interested. Yep. I already bookmarked it. I know I'm checking it every day. Empoweroversight.org. Check it out. Jason, congratulations on the new uh, the new effort. And thank you for joining us today. And we're going to have you back as, as you break cases and whistleblower matters. We want to uh, get the American public up to speed on all the great work you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Appreciate folks. Oh, oh, our pleasure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So grateful you can join us. Listen, the work that Jason Foster has done over the years is historic. It's been impactful. We know Senator Grassi, Senator Johnson, all the people doing accountability work in Congress. Devin Nunes, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, uh, all of those folks, they rely on experts like Jason to get the work done. And now Jason has moved to the private sector. He's created this whistleblower center to continue to give voice protection, advice, guidance to those who have the courage to step forward and say, there's something wrong in government here. I want to speak out, not for any other reason than to protect the American public. That is something that we can all be beneficially grateful for. All right, folks, that's why we did the interview today. Check us out all the time at justthenews.com. We'll be back tomorrow. Guess what? Tomorrow is Freedom Phone Day. You're going to say, what is that? If you come back and listen to the podcast tomorrow, we'll tell you a big free market event, a new phone dedicated to privacy, dedicated to free speech. You're not going to want to miss this. We've got the founder of the company, the inventor of the phone here tomorrow. Check us out. It'll be a really fun day. A gadget that has a true patriotic DNA running through it. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. And God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. We'll be back tomorrow. Good night.